Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. I haven't done this since pre-COVID, but I'm feel, feeling it today. Let's try this out. Hey, I'm excited to be here. How about you guys? Yeah. There we go. All right. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Today, we've got the scriptures behind me up here on the slides. We're going to read Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 6 out of the NIV. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. There is joy in the house of the Lord and that you are here with us in this place. So we ask right now that we would just be able to take a few moments just to pause, to read your word, that your truths would go down deep into our hearts, minds, and souls. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. A few years back, a couple decades ago, there was an album that was recorded that was full of mystery and intrigue and prison and murder. How many of you happen to be fans of the man in black, Johnny Cash? Yeah, Johnny Cash burst onto the scene in the 50s, kind of outlaw country, kind of the first one to kind of really do this. He was the man in black and he had a hit song, The Ring of Fire, but then most of the 60s, he kind of disappeared really into a cloud of pills and drugs and alcohol and just living life for himself. And really his sales kind of dropped off and people really kind of stopped listening to him. But he actually found religion and found Jesus and it changed his life. And in 1968, he decided, I'm going to record an album in prison. Now, you go on YouTube and there are people who will do YouTube videos or worship concerts in prison. But at this time, this was unheard of. This is pre-prison reform. Prisons were rough places. But Johnny Cash had this crazy idea. I'm going to go into Folsom Prison in California. It's the end of the road. The worst of the worst of the worst were sent to Folsom Prison. And he was going to do a concert there. And so they get... All, everything ready for this concert. And in fact, the rec company wasn't really sure, uh, should we approve this or not? And in fact, just two weeks before Johnny Cash recorded this concert, a choir came in to sing to these inmates and a riot broke out and people were almost killed from the outside in this prison riot. But here comes the man in black into Folsom County. But there's one little mystery leading up to this. See, there was a prisoner named Glenn Shirley who was in for armed robbery for life. He was, he was a bad man. He had robbed many people, held them up at gunpoint, 
done some other things, and was sent to Folsom really for his whole life. He'd gotten in trouble as a young boy without any, any dad in his life. And so from the age of 13 onward, he just, life of crime. But Glenn Shirley had also found religion and became friends with one of the librarians. And somehow, they don't really know how he did it, he was able to record a little demo of a song that he wrote. And the librarian smuggled out this tape, and somehow it made its way into the hands of Johnny Cash. And the night before this recording, Johnny sat down with his band and ran through this song. And here's how the words of this song goes. Inside the walls of my prison, my body may be, but the Lord has set my soul free. There are men here that don't ever worship. There are men here who scoff at the ones who pray, but I've got down on my knees in that gray stone chapel. And I thank the Lord for helping me each day. Now there's Greystone Chapel here at Folsom. It has a touch of God's hand on every stone. It's a flower of light in a field of darkness, and it's given me the strength to carry on. Inside the walls of prison my body may be, but the Lord has set my soul free. In the middle of Folsom Prison, there was the Greystone Chapel that was open to men who had done the worst of the worst, and there the Lord had met with Glenn Surely. And Johnny Cash records this song, becomes a big hit. Then the rest of the story is actually kind of sad. I'll let you research that for yourself. But this week as I was thinking about Paul and this book of Philippians, which is known as one of the prison epistles. That means Paul, who was a church planter, who was a pastor, he was actually in prison. And somehow, much like Glenn Shirley's song was smuggled out to the outside world, Paul wrote these words that were smuggled out of prison to encourage the hearts and minds and souls of Christians in this brand new faith religion that were worshiping Jesus as Lord. And so today, as we look at the words of Paul, I want you to think of prison as Paul sitting in chains. In fact, what would have been is he was sitting in Rome and he would have had two of the praetorium, the imperial guards chained up, one on his right and one on his left as he wrote, as he met with people. This is the story of Paul smuggling out these words of hope and grace, and now 2,000 years later to us today. See, Glenn Shirley, as he sat in prison, he had no hope, but through Jesus, he was able to escape. Years later, Johnny Cash was able to secure the release of Glenn Shirley into the outside world and get a second chance. But what he found was that we all have a prison, whether it's physical or in our own minds. Because of Glenn Shirley's past abuses, he had been a drug addict, but he'd found and become clean in prison. But then in the outside world, that prison of drugs found him again, and he had a tragic ending. And I think the truth is for all of us, whether we're Glenn Shirley whether we're Paul, whether we live in the outside world and our body is free, many of us live in some kind of prison. Prison to addictions, things that we try to deny, but the pull of that drink or that substance or that sugar is something we, a crutch we lean on. Perhaps a prison of feeling lonely. Maybe as a kid, you go to school and you just feel like the other kids don't understand you, that they just 
make fun of you or, 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 or you struggle or, or you want to behave it and you can't. And so you're in this kind of prison of your own body of, of you don't understand even why you do what you do. So you think all of us face these prisons in our minds, our souls, in our bodies. And yet Jesus comes to set us free, amen? Paul, the man who writes this, Paul was raised as, as, as a Jewish man and, and, and the best education. And then he heard about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be the king of the universe and the embodiment of God. But then he was crucified. But then his followers are claiming that he rose again. And then Paul's like, this is crazy. And if this word gets out, the Romans are going to come and, and they're going to make trouble for us. So I need to go and kill all these new Christians. And so Paul, on the road to Damascus, he's on his way to kill some Christians when Jesus knocks him off his high horse and he meets the real Jesus and he gives his life to him. And then Paul devotes the rest of his life to telling people about the true king of the universe. And so Paul does lots of missions work and he's planting churches. And then one day, he, he, he wants to go out towards the east, towards India, and Jesus tells him, no. And he wants to go up to the north, and Jesus tells him, no. And then he sees a vision of a man in Macedonia, which is Greece, which is Europe, saying, come on over here. And for the first time, the gospel travels from the Middle East, from Asia to Europe, as Paul crosses over into Greek, into Europe. And the funny plot twist is the man who says, come over here, turns out to be a woman. He meets a woman named Lydia, who's a God-fearer. She loves God, but she hasn't heard about Jesus. And so Paul tells this businesswoman about Jesus, and she gets baptized, and she becomes one of his first converts. And then, soon after that, trouble happens. See, there's a young girl, and she has a demon inside of her. It takes control of her body and her mind, but what it allows her to do is tell the future. And so these horrible people who own this young girl, they're making money off this little girl, and she's coming up to Paul, and she's causing trouble. And the demon is speaking things. And so Paul's like, hey, pff, demon, be gone. And he frees her. Because, church, we believe in freedom and through Jesus. Amen? And now that's trouble, though, because her owners are like, we're losing out on money. And so Paul gets sent to prison. And he gets beaten up. And as he's sitting in prison, what would you think? Think Paul's probably throwing himself a pity party? Oh, why, why am I doing this? Man, I go through all this work, and what's, what, what's, what do I get for this? I get beaten up and thrown into prison? No, Paul and his companion Silas, what are they doing? They're throwing a Johnny Cash concert in prison, and they're singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and they're lifting up the name of Jesus, and it's like, what? How can you sit in prison? How can you be beaten and still be praising the name of Jesus? Because Paul had a true joy found in Jesus and through Jesus, amen? And so Paul's sitting there, and all of a sudden, earthquake happens. The chains fall off, and you're like thinking, all right, this is Paul's opportunity. Run out of prison. And so the jailer, who's in charge of these prisoners, what would happen? His life was forfeit if they escaped. So he grabs a sword and gets ready to plunge it into his heart, and Paul says, stop! We're all still here. And this jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And the gospel spreads further into Europe. As Paul tells him, put your trust in Jesus. They go home with him, big baptism service, everyone's celebrating. And that jailer, this blue collar jailer, as well as this businesswoman Lydia, and their families become the core of this new church in Philippi. And that's the Philippian church. And then Paul goes on to more journeys. Well, down the road, Paul finds himself back in prison 
not just in a small prison, county jail in Philippi, but in the big bad prison in Rome. And that is where now Paul is going to write this letter and smuggle it out as he has two praetorium guards chained on either side of him. Philippians 1, verse 12. He's writing to this church plan. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, the praetorium, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. These soldiers are chained to Paul, and they're hearing Paul meet with visitors and talk about Jesus. See, they're used to hearing the gospel of Caesar. See, the gospel, or the good news, was from the Roman Empire and spread throughout. And they had what was called their gospel. And the gospel was, there has been a new son of God born This son of God named Caesar is the emperor. And Caesar brings truth and justice and hope to the world. You have to obey everything we say through Roman might. But that was the gospel of the Roman Empire. The soldiers are used to hearing that, to enforcing it, to saying, hey, you must bow the knee to Caesar. And yet they hear Paul talking about, hey, there's this Jewish rabbi born of Nazareth that the Roman Empire executed, but then he rose again. And actually, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the King of the whole universe. That through Jesus, that's where we find truth and hope and freedom, not by might, but by the Spirit. And so they're like, what is going on And he says, in fact, some of the palace guard start serving Jesus and give their lives to him. He says, I'm in chains, but I get to talk to them because they are a captive audience. And they take turns and they cycle through the whole palace guard. This is Paul. Paul is saying this to encourage this new church, but he also says it to us today to take great encouragement. Because oftentimes I think we feel discouraged when our plans are thwarted. See, Paul didn't plan to end up in prison, but God used it for glory, amen? And so when life gets difficult for us, we can take encouragement from Paul's story that God will use even uncertain circumstances that we didn't expect to spread the gospel. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to take notes. Write this one first down. We're going to see that joy comes through partnership. The joy comes through partnership. In Philippians 1, verse 3 through 4, Paul says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. First thing you see in all Paul's letters, this is so typical of Paul, that he thanks God for people, not things. We've talked about this the last couple years. I highly encourage you every day, whether it's in the morning or night, have a journal where you write down three things that you're grateful for. Paul, what he would do, he's always going to list people. You know, sometimes I'll be like, I'm just grateful I have a job. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for different things. I'll list people. But Paul, he's always thinking about people. That's what he's grateful for. Second, Paul's talking about their partnership brings him joy and brings them joy. When you think partnership, think like a business partnership. When you start a business with someone, like you both share the work in that partnership. And then also you both share the financial responsibilities for that business. That's what Paul has with the Philippians. See, when you're in jail, the jail doesn't give you food or sustenance or anything like that. 
But what the Philippians did, they sent Epaphroditus with food and money to actually fund his ministry so that he could live and not starve to death. And he's saying, hey, thank you that you are now partnering with me to do the work of spreading the gospel news, but also you are financial partners with me. You're feeding me. You're taking care of me. Thank you for that. So when you think partnership, think like that business partnership. It's also like, how many of you have seen the movie The Lord of the Rings? Yeah, one of the greatest film series of all time. Uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. If you haven't seen it, it's in this great imaginary fantasy land, but in the Fellowship of the Ring, it's the nine walkers, and it's the little hobbits, and a dwarf, an elf, and mighty men, and a wizard, and they all come together for a purpose, to free the land from tyranny and darkness. When Paul says partnership, I want you to think Fellowship of the Ring. I want you to think Avengers Assemble. That's what this means. It's not just cookies and coffee here. Not just, you know, fellowship over coffee after church service is good, but that's not Christian fellowship. That's fellowship among Christians. That's not what Paul's saying here. It's not just a church social. Rather, it's a deep partnership grounded in Christ and the Holy Trinity and in grace and spirit and in suffering and sacrifice. It's a robust band of brothers and sisters on mission together to change the world. Amen? That's what Paul is talking about. It's the fellowship of the gospel. It's Avengers assembling. It's a team on mission to win the ring. This is a fellowship coming together for a great cause. You won't understand the letter of the Philippians until you understand that the Philippians are in this fellowship with Paul. They are all in one team wanting to win the championship. They are all together in this. Here's what theologian R. Kent Hughes says. He says, human friendship is a wonderful thing. But fellowship goes beyond friendship. Fellowship occurs among friends committed to a common cause or goal and flourishes through their common pursuit of it. See, fellowship goes beyond just friendship. Friendship is, hey, we have some similar interests and we're hanging out. Fellowship says, hey, we have a mission. We are created for something bigger than ourselves. Fellowship says, hey, we have found grace and freedom. We have been blessed, and now we want to work together to spread that same blessing. Gordon Fee, theologian, describes this as a three-way bond between Paul, the church he planted, and Christ. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. And that provided the spiritual glue of their fellowship. R. Kent Hughes goes on to say, If you are looking for true fellowship, give yourself to the gospel at home and around the world. Serve together with others in women's Bible studies, children's ministry, youth ministry. Do short-term missions. Take the good news to the poor. Join a band of brothers and sisters to pray for the world. This is how you will experience genuine Christian fellowship. That is how we find joy. When we live for something bigger than ourselves with others on mission. Amen? Joy comes through partnership. Number two, joy comes through prayer. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 Paul says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. These are the kind of prayers Paul is praying for the Philippians. He says, I pray that your love may abound. 
your love for God, your love for others, may it grow and multiply and grow bigger and bigger. And then also that you may discern what is best. Too often I hear Christians say, hey, I need prayer, I need wisdom, what is right, what is wrong? And they freak out, is this the right thing, is this the wrong thing? Paul, Jesus, the New Testament is way more concerned that you and I grow in wisdom to know what is best. See, it's pretty easy to wake up and say, you know, I'm not going to murder today. You know, I'm not going to look at anything inappropriate on my phone in church. There are things we know. I'm not going to steal from my employer. That's easy. But when we say, what is best? What is best for the gospel? Do I open up my home to allow people in to show hospitality? What is the best way I can spend my time, I can spend my money, I can spend my influence? See, that is harder. But see, Jesus wants so much more for us than just simply knowing not to do the bad things. He wants us to know how to do the best things. That's what Paul's praying. As your love grows and abounds, then you will discern what is best. Marcus Brackmuld, a theologian, describes it this way. It's the spirit-bred ability to discern that which God has already marked off as essential or superlative regarding life in Christ. This ability, not only distinguishing between right and wrong, but also from best and second best. That is what it means to grow in Christ. Those are the kind of prayers Paul is praying for the Philippians. These are the kind of prayers we should be praying for each other. Pray for your small group. Pray for your community, that they will grow in love, that they will be able to discern what is best. But also the church is praying for him. Verse 18, he says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. What is causing Paul to receive this joy? He says, For I know that through your prayers... And God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Smarter Greek scholars tell me that the way Paul constructed this sentence, it really means to say that Paul is saying that through your prayers, I will be more filled with the Holy Spirit. You might say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How can Paul receive more Holy Spirit? Doesn't he have that conversion? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but it seems that even Paul is saying we can be more filled and more filled. And Paul's saying, hey, Philippians, man, you are restoring my energy, my ability to make a difference through your prayers. You are filling me more with the Holy Spirit so that even though I have guards chained to me, I can tell the truth of the gospel. These prayers are going to fuel Paul to do what he's called to do. Church, as your pastor, I'm praying that you would pray for me. Your prayers will fill me with the Holy Spirit, will fuel me to do what God's called me to do. If you're in a community group, pray for the Andersons. Pray for Matt and Lauren, that, that your prayers would fuel them up. Pray for the Fodstads. Pray for the Stapletons. Pray for our leaders in our church, because your prayers will actually make a difference in our ability as leaders to do what God has called us to do. And that is an amazing partnership that you and I can have. So number one, joy comes through partnership. Number two, joy comes through prayer. And number three, this is the one you're not going to want to hear, joy comes through pain. Hold on, hold on, bro. Before we get into this one, because we're in a series called Joy, yeah, and yeah. we're doing spontaneous things, yeah, yeah. 
It's time for a halftime show. All right, all right, ladies and we're gonna have a halftime show. Just before this, this before this heavy one, we're gonna have some fun. So. Good job. We get to have joy in church. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you so much. Let's go back to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you. <laughs> all right, that was fun. Uh, halftime show. All right, joy comes through partnership. Joy comes through prayer, and joy comes through pain. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Paul says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. I have a confession to make. I have four children, but I have not birthed any of them. I know, shocking. What my wife tells me, though, who gave birth to all four without any pain medication whatsoever, is that she suffered. (laughs) There was pain, but through that pain came joy. The birth of our children. Planting this church was like giving birth. It was a lot of nights of struggling and pain and rejection as you do a hundred coffees to get 10 people to say, yes, we'll be part of this church. But by birthing this church, through that suffering came joy. If you've ever started a business, if you've ever been on a championship team, you know the only way to find that joy is through struggle, through pain. Nothing of value in life is just handed to you. We have to struggle and go through tough times and suffering for that which lasts. Jesus came to earth. He felt every pain and hurt that you and I experienced. He went to the cross in agony by taking all our shame and guilt upon him. And through that was found the joy of salvation. Paul writes, and elsewhere, that for the joy set before him, Christ put his mind on to the cross. How can that kind of pain and suffering bring joy? Because Jesus knew what came after the cross was the celebration that one day you and I will all party with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. That those who have died will be raised back to life. That is the hope of the resurrection that God will create a new heaven and a new earth as heaven comes down to earth and we rule and reign with Christ together. Not some disembodied experience floating on a cloud. That is not what the New Testament talks about. We struggle, we suffer, we go through pain here. We share the good news of the gospel. We raise kids, we pour into our nieces and nephews and grandchildren and it is hard. But there is joy on the other side of that pain. Only Things that matter come through struggle and hardships. He's both suffering and salvation are gifts of grace from Jesus. David writes it this way in Psalm 30. He says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Right now, perhaps you are struggling You are suffering, you are in pain, and it may be impossible to feel like there can ever be joy on the other side. 
Now hear me. I am not saying God is causing your pain. I'm not saying God is causing your suffering. But because of the effects of sin on this world, there is sickness, there is death, there is hardship. But God will use that. He will bring you through suffering and pain for joy. Church, so many times we've lost the plot on what the hope is. The hope is resurrection through Jesus. That death is not the end. Death is the great enemy that has been defeated and will be defeated. Sin was defeated on that cross. And though we struggle, though we suffer now, though we lose friends and family, though we grieve, there is hope, amen? There is joy. And so we set our eyes on what is to come. That Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is with us along on this journey. That when things are hard, Jesus is not far off. His spirit is here with us, comforting us. As we go through pain and suffering, Jesus is there with us. See, this was a radical concept when the New Testament was written. See, in the Greco-Roman world, there was no redemptive quality to suffering. The ancient Greek writers wrote, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Because this is all that there is. And so reject suffering, reject pain. But Paul comes along, says, no, there is joy that can be found through suffering. There is a redemptive quality as Jesus shapes us and molds us to become like Jesus, but that this is not the end. This world is not all that there is. And our hope is not just floating off in heaven. Our hope is in a resurrection. As our bodies are raised to life, as our souls are restored with our bodies, as we spend eternity with Jesus, Paul says, That he who began a good work in you, he who planted that seed of salvation in you, he is sure to finish that work. Paul in chapter one says, I don't know what to do. I have a death sentence. I may die here, but you know what? I am excited to go be with Jesus. Paul doesn't talk about going to heaven and just floating in a cloud. He's excited not for heaven's comforts, but for being with his master, Jesus. He says, in Christ, that is what matters. How can Paul say that? His whole identity is wrapped up in Christ, in his rabbi, in his savior, in his redeemer. And that is where Paul has found joy. And so today, I encourage you, partner with others to make a difference. Let your life count. Make it for something. That is how you will find joy. Joy is found through prayer. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the people in your community. Pray for your kids. Pray for your nieces and nephews. And then know that joy comes through pain, through doing hard things for Jesus. And at the end of that pain, our hope is in resurrection, an eternity with Jesus. Joy for Paul was not an emotion or a mood or a feeling. It's an attitude. And therefore, it can be commanded to say, I will have joy. Joy comes through partnership, through prayer, through pain. And we have been called here to spread joy 
to others, amen? And so our desire for you guys is to, as your leaders, help you spread joy. And so I was talking to some of our key leaders this week and I floated out a crazy idea. I was like, what do you think about this? And they loved it. So here's what we're gonna do. We wanna help you spread joy. So we're doing something, we're calling this, we're giving every family a micro grant of joy. We wanna spread joy bucks. Now, again, this is a little audacious and crazy, but as you leave here, we have envelopes for each family with $100 in cash in them for every family. And here, here's, here's the catch. You gotta turn your connection card back there. We wanna take down your name, but then we want you, we wanna follow up with you and say, share your story on how you shared joy. How did you spark joy? How did you spread the joy and hope of Jesus this week, next week? So perhaps, your, 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 your kid goes to Rice Lake Elementary and you're like, hey, we have 89 teachers. That's just about enough money. We could buy 100 candy bars. And you know what? We're gonna write cards and we're gonna bless every single teacher and just say, hey, we love you. We see you. You're doing a good job. Here, we wanna bless you. Maybe your neighbor, like us, just battled cancer. And you talk to your kids and like, hey, how are we gonna spread joy? How are we gonna spread hope? Hey, we got some money in our pocket. What we're gonna do is maybe we're gonna drop off some flowers we're gonna drop off a meal for her. We're gonna give you microgrants to go spread joy. And then we wanna capture your stories on video. And we wanna share those stories over these next couple of weeks. So that then, as I hear what Michelle does, I'm inspired. And I hear what Troy does, I'm inspired. And it's like, oh, you know what? Whoa, what a great idea, Brenda. I could do that. Wow, Josh, what a great idea. I could do that. We want to plant a seed and then see where it goes. Does that sound good, church? I love it. <laughs> we want to be outrageously generous, and this is what we're doing. So after service, go find Wendy, get your joy bucks, turn in your connection card, and then we want to follow up with you and find out, hey, what did you do to tangibly spread joy, tangibly make a difference, to show Jesus if you're a parent, I'd love for you to talk to your kids, bring them involved in this decision of what can we do to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. Imagine if 30, 40 family units, this next month we're all going out and we're saying, how can we spark joy? How can we show hope and love? And people saying, why are you doing this? Because our hope is in Jesus, amen. All right, we're gonna go out of here. We're gonna share a meal here real soon. I'm gonna write the band up for one last song. Uh, as they come up, would you join me and stand and we're gonna, we're gonna pray. <coughs> Jesus, we thank you that through you we can experience true joy. Because we know that though we struggle, though we have chains on us at different times that we find freedom through you and we have hope in the resurrection in the truth of the gospel that sets us free and that one day we will all be raised to life and united with you forever. So Jesus, I pray right now you would just spark ideas on how we can spark joy and spread hope and truth to be generous with our, our time and our resources. And then as we share these stories with each other, that we would be inspired to go make a difference. 
God, I thank you that not every resource that enters our hands is for our own consumption, but that we are conduits, that you want to flow through us to make a difference to those around us. So right now, I just pray for blessing on these joy bucks. I pray that we would hear stories of people who were hopeless, finding hope, who were depressed, finding joy. People who were lost, that we found by you. Thank you, God, that you are here with us and you go beside us. And as we, as we eat today, as we celebrate, as we, as we leave this place, that you are still with us. So I pray that everyone here, everyone watching online, God, that they would not feel alone. They would know that you are with them. Whatever may come. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this last song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.